Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. It's Friday. It's about 11 a.m. We're in Little Lamb's Coffee Shop, and with me today is John Mysick of Penn Live and Jan Murphy, also of Penn Live. Hey, How's morning. it going? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. So it's been. Uh, we've had a busy week this week. Yeah. It sort of finally oh, yeah. feels like June. It feels like budget season. It absolutely is. <laughs> just, just no budget, but yeah. Like yeah, no yeah. budget, but lots of other stuff. So um, I wanted to start off. We had uh, sort of the. The issue of the month, really, so far, has been redistricting, and we've had this bill working through the Senate for a while now. Actually, really, almost a year. It's yep. been, you know, in the works, probably more than a year. Uh, so it was a bill to establish a citizens' commission of uh, of voters who would do redistricting for us. But now the bill's different. Uh, it's still got the citizens' commission, but it uh, that's changed, and there's a whole new set of things in there now. Uh, Jan, Jan, what happened? Well, um, Senator Ahmet was successful in introducing an amendment. Yep, Ryan uh, Ahmet of Lancaster County. That's yeah. right. Uh, Republican. Um, and his bill would create uh, regional judicial districts for our appellate courts. So, for example, like with our Supreme Court, we have seven justices. The state would be divided into seven judicial districts, and each region would get to elect a justice. And the same with the Superior Court and Commonwealth Court. And... Um, that, that that didn't go over well with the Democrats. Let's just put it that way. And I, I, what his in his argument on the floor, I mean, he mentioned that you know the bulk of our appellate courts are dominated by people from Allegheny County and Philadelphia. Amen, was saying this. Yeah, that was really the reason for this, wasn't it? It was because you know most of our justices come from the cities. I think he said something like only 14 of the counties are represented on the appellate courts. So that was sort of, uh, you know, I think people from rural areas feeling short-shrifted by that was the purpose he said he was using to put this in there. He had had support from, you know, leadership, Republican leadership. But, uh, what a surprise there, right? John, you look like you're ready to say something. <laughs> Come on, it's payback. It, it is payback to the states. Of, where, wait, wait, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh? What political party dominates the state's two largest uh, cities? Yeah. I mean, and mentioned about the redistricting yeah. ruling. That's yeah. I mean, so so look, the Democratic majority state Supreme Court earlier this year tossed the maps, which is one of the reasons why we're here to begin with. Um, you know, Senator Almut and I had an interesting conversation on Twitter about this, and him swearing on a stack that this was simply about providing geographical diversity on the high court. And I don't doubt that he's at least partially in earnest. Um, but it is hard not to read this as some measure of payback to the state Supreme Court for its redistricting decision back January of this year. And now Republican leaders, you know, a lot of people brought that up on the House floor, or the Senate floor, rather. Most of the Democrats were calling foul. And, uh, you know, the Republicans were like, no, no, this is literally just because, you know, this is an opportunity to amend the Constitution, and we figured we would put this in there also. While we were here. (laughs) While we were here. And, well, so that's the question, I guess. Um, Jan, do you see these things as being, like, fundamentally related? Um, only in the fact that they're constitutional amendments. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it will be interesting to see what happens in the House. I, clearly, the um, addition of the, the Amen Amendment has cost the, uh, the whole led piece of legislation, the Fair Districts PAs, they peeled, con, they you know, peeled support. off on us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they, they said that now they're turning their attention to, you know, to the House and trying to strip that amendment out. Mm-hmm. 
and the thing to keep in mind is that you know July 6th is the deadline for uh, if we're going to do anything about the 2020 you know, the redistricting after the 2020 census, yeah. July 6th is the and date. Just what we're talking about that too, I think a lot of people are confused about why July 6th is the date. Um, I mentioned that to the governor the other day and he seemed confused about it because he was like, what? We don't have to do that yet. Anyway, we do because <laughs> the same language has to pass two years in a row and Beyond that, I know they're in session until November, but they're reporting guidelines. And so these things have to be, I guess, sunshine is the right word. Advertised. Sure. Advertised yeah. a certain amount of time in advance. So that's how amendments work. There's lots of rules. And so they really do have to get it done quick if they're going to do it. Um, just a little bit more on the Allment Amendment, because this was really sort of a fundamental change in the nature of this bill. It added an entire, really a major change to our judiciary. So right now, our judges are elected statewide. Um, some states do this, some states appoint them statewide, but there's only a real small handful of states that actually elect by district or appoint by district. There's actually really only two states that do partisan elections by district. So anyway, this isn't like a super common thing they're attempting here. And uh, it, I mean, we didn't really get too much into like debate on the actual content of that bill, but there were a couple lawmakers that brought up, I mean, maybe this isn't how the judiciary is supposed to operate. I mean, judges are supposed to be sort of not partisan and not bound to regional sensibilities, right? Well, I mean, this gets to, and I, and I wrote at some length about this this week, to the fundamental issue with the way Pennsylvania selects its appellate court judges. I, I have long held that making judges run like regular political candidates is a horrific idea. Um, one, voters are often armed with the bare minimum of information when they go into the voting booth because of ethical strictures on how much vote, how much judicial candidates can talk about vis-a-vis -vis their positions. Yeah. Um, they can talk in broad terms about issues, but they can't say, I would rule like this on X. Mm -hmm. Whereas you try to elect a politician, they say, elect me, I'll send me to Harrisburg, I'll repeal property taxes. It's not the same thing. So external factors like ballot position or county or name recognition or party affiliation often win the day. Sure. On top of that, you're making them go out and raise money like rank-and-file candidates. They can swear that this won't affect their affect their decisions on the bench, and I have no doubt that's the case, but it undermines the very principle of judicial independence. So you take an already bad system, and then you put it into districts that I guess theoretically be, could be as gerrymandered as badly as the ones we have now. Well, now, I mean, I will say, I mean, if this, if both of these things pass, you know, you're going to have the independent commission drawing those oh, yeah. districts as well. Yeah, so can, if what, that what, system works, then... What could possibly go wrong? Well, you know, I, I think the point a lot of the Republicans were making, and I'll make it for argument's sake, Yes. if the bill is worth passing initially, like, you can at least say, okay, the districts are going to be okay. You know? I, mean, I, th I think this is a I think it's a discussion worth having. I don't think sandwiching it into well, right. the redistricting reform the bill is is the way to do. It. And this is what happens then. Why there's been so much institutional resistance to having a con constitutional convention for so many years is that when you crack the hood, everyone's going to want to get in there and monkey around with the gearbox. Right. And we saw this just this last week. Well, and we have uh, <laughs> more than two. So both of these, by the way, worth noting. Um, this would be 
separate um, ballot questions yes. if yes. they do, in fact, go exactly to voters. Right. So they could pick one without the other. Right. So um, it really is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the voters' decision. But uh, these aren't the only two, like, potential amendments that we have swirling around right now. We've seen something on um, merit selection for judges, yes. which, uh, you know, this is actually, I talked to Almond's staff. He also s supports that, selecting judges in a different way. Mm -hmm. But this was just what went through um, right. in this bill. And then there's also a move to shrink the legislature, and that got some progress this week. If you want to call it that. So, well, it had been, like, waylaid, and then they took out the part of it that would have waylaid it, so maybe it's still on track now. We don't yeah. know. But anyway, um, yeah, so <laughs> lots of different movements, something in the water making people want to change the Constitution. But uh, so that's really, I mean, so where do we go from here on the redistricting thing? Hmm. You mentioned the House has to pass it. I mean, yeah. was this a pot sweetener for the House, or did this... Kill well, it a little bit. It, I think it peels off Democratic the, votes in the House. It, well, it, it, it might add some Republicans, though. It will. I, I mean, that's. I it was talking to Russ will. Diamond, yeah. and he was like, you know, he goes, Ryan Ahmed stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> and Diamond's been talking about this. And for he a is while. a representative from Lebanon County. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so I, I do think that it could gain it. It could gain the whole redistricting idea some some support in the House among the Republicans, but clearly the Democrats are not going to be on board with it. But, you know, the Republicans have a, a strong, strong majority in the yeah. House, too. Well, but, you got, but you got Dave Reed's bill yes. sitting in the House Rules Committee. Very it's, different it's a, bill. a very different bill, um, a competing proposal. So you have to see the way, the, how those two kind of mesh up. And we haven't even talked about what's in that Senate bill that came over. And it, right. And it's just a hot mess. Um, it got amended in... John's state, an opinion columnist. Sorry, I am. It got, amended, it, it got amended in state <laughs> government committee. Um, it's a putative... I find it as a sort of a putative citizens commission. Well, so, so what's but, actually in there? So it, it took out the citizens part of it. It now allows for appointments by the four legislative leaders and the governor's office. And now it's it's four Democrats, four, four Republicans, Republicans, and three, three independent or third party. Exa exactly, registered. exactly. And they right. all have to be confirmed by a two-thirds which vote. Is, which is a preposterously high Well, what threshold. it means really is that these are going to have to be people who truly do please, especially the majority party. Exactly. And the minority party has to put up votes as well, except in the Senate, I guess. Which, which makes, a, which, which ma it sort of takes the populism out of it. It makes it, an in my view, an inherently political process. Well, and then there's also the checks on the system have changed as well. Exactly. So if the commission of 11 citizens, appointed citizens, can't come to a consensus on three maps that are drawn for them right. by some expert, um, then the question goes to the legislature. If the legislature can't decide, then the Supreme Court well, then they cannot draw their own map. Right. We're not letting right. them do that anymore. Right. But uh, they Pick can one choose, one the, choose one of the three. Yeah. The three. I yeah. mean, but, but in effect, what this does is you're the legislature and the commission produces a map that you don't like. You hold out mm -hmm. until you get a result that you do. And like, oh, I like this one the best. Mm -hmm. Stamp. Right. And off it goes. It's, it's, it's a bit of a joke. Reed's bill is marginally better in that it keeps the random part of it. It would work like jury selection. Right, but it preserves much more of that legislative, a lot of that same legislative oversight. But well. also, but, Reed's bill is just a concept right now. It hasn't had right. any hearings. Exactly. It, we don't even know if anyone supports it other than Dave Reed himself. And I will say, we mentioned that a lot of Democrats are unhappy with the new form of this like underlying Citizens Commission yeah. bill with the Almond Amendment attached to it. Lisa Moscola, the Democratic senator who sponsored this bill, who's been pushing it for more than a year, she got up on the floor and said, look, it's not perfect. I wish they hadn't put that thing in here, but pass it anyway. Yeah. And well, Andy Deneman. Andy Deneman said the same thing. Exactly so. right. Yeah. So there are a couple Democrats who are like, look, it, at the end of the day, the almond thing nothing. sucks, but it's up to the voters. So 
It's true. The Ahmed Amendment's not technically attached to this because, again, voters can choose one or the other, other. separate ballot questions. So people, I think that is an important thing for people to remember. Um, If in the, I think, probably unlikely at this point, um, event that it actually gets through the House. Because we've also heard, I think all of us have been hearing whispers from like what's going on in there. They've caucused on it generally, but... Is there any consensus about what Nothing to do? Yet. Nothing Not really. yet. No. And even, I, I mean, talking in conversations with like House members and you know spokespeople, staffers, things like that, it certainly seems like there's not even like consensus in the House about doing anything. Yep. You know, I, I think there's a bit, pretty strong faction in there that's like, well, listen, hey, I mean, we changed the Supreme Court gave us new guidelines. That's new. That's different. We'll just go with that. Right. I think the only consensus is that. If redistricting isn't done before the budget, they're not hanging around. It'll have to be done in concurrence with the budget. And they're, yeah, they're totally. getting out of town. They're gone. And that's what I mean, it goes into. Like, this is just going to be another thing where there are people use these things as leverage to negotiate. Absolutely. Exactly right. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Yep. Um, speaking of leverage to negotiate. Uh, <laughs> so moving on from the um, redistricting thing for now, we had a, a sort of an interesting uh, amendment early this week from um, House Speaker Mike Terzai, Republican. He has been pushing a bill to outlaw abortions because a fetus has been diagnosed with Down syndrome. So if that is the reason for the abortion, it's now like that's criminalized under his bill. Right. Now, he has been, you know, that bill's passed the House. It's been sitting in the Senate, hasn't gotten to committee or hadn't gotten to committee. And then he inserted it this week, the language from that into a different bill that was human trafficking human trafficking right and that bill had been on track to the governor the governor has supported it said he would sign it but he doesn't support the down syndrome thing so what first of all how did this happen um jim did you cover this at all Uh, no john you take this one okay this 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 i I gotta hand it for for sheer brassiness for speaker terzai i mean you kind of have to doff your cap to him i mean his bill came out as a kid as you said the down syndrome abortion bill came out of the house in april on a 131 to something or other mm-hmm. vote fair, reasonably bipartisan it's been sitting in the senate judiciary committee since then late april yeah late april chaired by senator stuart greenleaf of montgomery county where it looked like it wasn't going to get a vote or it wasn't going to get moved uh terzai ran out of patience and filed his Down syndrome abortion language as an amendment to this Greenleaf-sponsored human trafficking bill as a way to try to leverage a vote on his bill in Senate Judiciary Committee. Greenleaf's people claim to be taken completely aback by this. And we're, you spoke to them right like the day after it happened. And the day it happened. The and day they, it so happened. They, they said, you know, oh, we, were, we were planning a vote on this. I can't imagine why Speaker Terzai was doing this. Well, Terzai wouldn't have slapped the amendment on there if he wasn't trying to grease the skids. And sure enough, on Tuesday, we come to find out that the Judiciary Committee had scheduled a voting meeting on nothing except Terzai's abortion <laughs> bill on Wednesday. Yep. Um, and that, they, they, you know, they went in there. I, you and I were in there. It was about 30 minutes. That thing came in and went flying out of there on a party line, straight party line vote. Senator Greenleaf cut off debate because there was another committee coming in yeah, afterward. Yeah, he got, he, got he got very touchy about that. The, the, <laughs> the Transportation Committee people were milling about in the hallway, and, and Dale and Leach, is, it was well, can't, can't we debate this? He's like, what? We've been talking for half an hour. How he much said, more do you want? Specifically, he said, Dalen, you've been talking for half exactly. an hour. <laughs> so and, anyway, and there was so not that much debate on it. Minimal debate. Um, there's a, we should say that Senator Scott Martin from yeah. Lancaster County was there, who was sponsoring a companion Senate version, right. was in the committee to answer questions from uh, committee members about this. I should mention that similar legislation like this was passed in Ohio and Indiana 
in federal judges in both states stayed the implementation of that law on constitutional grounds um, for the reason that during the first trimester of pregnancy, a woman can get an abortion for almost any reason. Right. Uh, existing state law bars abortion uh, ex only in the case of gender. This would add, it would add Down syndrome to the list of conditions. But for, pra for as, a, as a practical matter, it's unenforceable because a woman does not have to say, I'm getting an abortion because of. Right. And Senator Martin did say that in this committee hearing. He acknowledged that, it would, that there'd be no way to track this, which makes this kind of a solution even more in search of a problem. And Governor Wolf says he's going to veto this thing yep. anyway. And were it to make it onto the books, it would likely be stayed on constitutional grounds anyway. So it's kind of this stupid, needless <laughs> sub-drama that we're having. That's John's um, opinion. My opinion. Um, <laughs> that was further complicated by the speaker's power play this week. Well, and so it is interesting, too, because you spoke to um, Senator Greenleaf's chief of staff yes. on the record, um, and he said, you know, he was very candid. He was like, I don't know where this came from or why it's here. Yeah. But then, um, so I had started following this after they got the bill out of committee. And, um, you know, it was hard to tell whether or not Terzai was going to take his amendment out of Greenleaf human trafficking right. bill and they did sort of on the floor at the last minute they took it out but the human trafficking bill by the way it's a it's to protect child victims it's of actually, human it's trafficking. actually a really good bill and it gives them services essentially after exactly. you know it, police have to report their interactions with these kids and then it gets them into a system where they can get counseling and housing and, and things education, like that and like education stuff, right? yeah so um, that's a bill that probably will go to the governor and get signed now that the abortion thing is out of it but um, sort of I think whenever these things happen and it's just kind of an interesting little microcosm of like the push and pull of politicians trying to get their stuff passed. Exactly. Um, so anyway, or Greenleaf rather says he would have passed the abortion bill anyway. Um, in unclear, and that's true. Why Terzai would have put it in there? But uh, yeah, I mean, there's even the bigger question whether whether this will get a floor vote um, mm. in the Senate as, yeah, as, as well. I mean, the Senate took a bite at this last year. They passed that 20-week abortion ban that the governor mm -hmm. ultimately vetoed. Yeah. Um, whether they want to further expose their members to another radioactive vote in an election year is another matter entirely. <laughs> particularly when they have a mess of southeastern senators who are on the bubble this cycle. Yeah, absolutely. All right, a couple other things that were going on this week. Um, you uh, you had a story I thought was really interesting. It would change signature requirements for magisterial district judges. Yeah, that was just a, a, one of these freak things that I was at a committee meeting trying yeah. to get a senator, and this bill came up, and I thought, oh, this is kind yeah, of weird. I hadn't you know, heard like, about it. Um, but, yeah, the, these uh, district judges are saying like, they're going out knocking on doors trying to get signatures, and they've had dogs, you know, saying, go get them, <laughs> and um, you know, getting bit by dogs. Well, because and, People have grudges against these That's district it. judges. And, and I mean, their their point is we're the front line of the judicial system, and you know we could be deciding uh, cases where we evict people from their homes, and then they relocate, and I go <laughs> knock on their door, and it's like you know, hey, you're the guy who kicked me out of my house or took my kid from me, you know, yeah. just um, different things like that. So they just said. For sitting judge, sitting district judges, when they seek re-election, they would just have to file a, not, a petition or a certification saying right. that they're seeking re-election. Wouldn't have to get signatures. And I, uh, I always think that's that's such a funny story to me because, like, unlike many things that our legislature passes, that's like a real concrete problem. Judges are getting bit by dogs. <laughs> we have to figure out a way to so they don't have to put themselves in that situation. That's right. That's right. So anyway, um, so what are the odds of that passing? Do you have any idea? No, it hasn't been talked about too no, much. No, it really hasn't been. It, I think it'll be just one of those things that if it goes yeah. through, I, I don't know how hard their push has been yeah. in the House, but I, I mean, clearly they're, <laughs> the judges won it. I mean, the other point is, too, is that they're supposed to be um, 
you know, neutral in their decision making, and then they're going out and asking people to sign my petition, and they come before them exactly. and, you know, hey, wait a minute, guy, you know, I signed your petition. Which now goes back to where the problem with the way we like judges. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had another story. Um, the Labor and Industry Committee commissioned a study on sexual harassment and, yes, you know, and that assault. That was another party line uh, kind of situation. There's a couple Republicans, yeah. surprisingly, that um, also uh, opposed these studies, but it's just basically. Basically, this is all the fallout from the Representative Micarelli situation of, he, you know, what do we do? And Representative Caldron, too, yeah. and the taxpayer Micarelli, for anyone who somehow hasn't heard at this point, had a, an intimate relationship with fellow Representative Tara Tuhill and uh, sort of assaulted and harassed and threatened to kill her. Um, so now he's still in the House, but she has a restraining order and has a security detail, and they moved his desk and took a security clearance. So anyway, um, would this affect people generally, or is this just for the legislature? It's more or less just to inform the uh, the legislature about what to do I should say the house because the senate the is not the senate right, is they saying separate yeah they're yeah. saying you know they they've said you know we we've been studying it we don't need to have another study done but i mean their commission would um, they would look at the laws that are in place related to sexual harassment and workplace harassment and uh, then also they had um, a separate uh, resolution would, I'm just looking at my papers here, um, would ask the Joint State Government Commission to look at, and, and this will be the thing that I think will be most of interest, is to, to document all the cases that have happened oh. uh, across state government and, um, you know, the, the number of complaints that result in disciplinary action, the number that were referred to law enforcement, the number that resulted in monetary settlement. I mean, you know, some of that stuff has, you know, come out through, you know, the caucus and the inquiry and, and media reports, but... Um, we could find out that there's, you know, another whole, <laughs> another whole uh, treasure trove of stories right. to be had. It seems like there's just an unlimited supply of them. So now uh, you mentioned that this was a party lens vote. This doesn't seem on its face to be a controversial thing, but I guess contextually, people are very frustrated that that's what we're doing right now. We're doing that's studies course, uh, still. Right. So and yeah, what's I mean, that's, Representative <laughs> Leanne Kruger Branicky has a has legislation to you know really reform the whole way that the legislature that anybody that has. Um, been, you know, harassed by a legislator or a staffer to how those cases are to be handled. And she was very, she was very outspoken at the committee meeting. She was um, frustrated that there, yeah. that that's all we're doing is studying it. She pointed out that there's nine bills in that committee alone. You know, why aren't we acting on these bills? And uh, Chairman Rob Kaufman uh, of the Labor and Industry Committee said, we're not moving any bills. And when I asked him afterward, I said, do you mean we're not moving any bills until this study is done? He said, I didn't say that. So Interesting. But, she, but um, Representative Kruger-Branicke indicated that's kind of what she has been told. So I don't know. Um, but so, and that's the thing. And I, I guess the the dichotomy here is like certain people, like Representative Kruger-Branicke, say, we know what's happening. We know what the problem is. We know why it happens and who does it. But then others think, no, there's more we can figure out via these studies. So, I mean, that's really where we are. And I think most of the people in the majority, you've seen this in the House when they've had, like, these clear cases, they're like, well, we have to think about this hard first. I, I mean, I, the problem with this, though, I mean, and I, I don't doubt that they're earnest trying to get their arms around this problem, but historically in this town, studies is the, are the place where ideas go to die. I mean, you can prop up whole desks with the studies that have been commissioned in Harrisburg. They so there's, do a whole there's, lot there's, of studies. There's a complete reason for skepticism. And even as we're sitting here having this discussion, the House has been sitting on the Senate-approved legislation, SB 501, um, that wouldn't 
make domestic abusers or those subject to PFAs give up their guns more speedily than they do now. And for whatever reason, some incomprehensible reason, the House refuses to move this bill. The and there does seem to be support for it. Yeah, there does. Yeah. The governor's office is calling on them to do it. The Senate is like, come on, it passed 50 to nothing on our side. What are you waiting for? Um, you know, I got sucked into that um, vortex when Ron Marson was holding his guns and sort of public safety hearings in April and has not moved since. I talked to Steve Misk in the House Republican spokesman last week who said it was supposed to be on the calendar this past week. It never made it, so, you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, that's one of those things, too, as we creep closer to the budget. Any bill that's sort of, you know, out there in the ether still you know, could get wrapped in as a negotiating point. Exactly. I can't see how this one would. Because this, I mean, this one seems on its face the, the easiest yes vote any of these guys could take this yeah. year. But for whatever reason, right. perhaps because of their own situation, they're unwilling to do so. Well, I don't want to do any conjecture about yes. why, but the point is it hasn't moved. So um, that's that on that. Um, all right, so moving forward, the next couple of weeks are hopefully going to be budget-related, but we truly have not seen too much stuff coming out on that. Um, you guys have covered budgets for a while. I mean, it, is it normal in a year where there seems to be, you know, a decent amount of kumbaya to, like, not get any details at this point? seems rather late compared to most years. It seems a little late. It is, yeah. It, you know, it does. I mean, what rank-and-file members are saying, the leaders are going to hammer this out and jam it down our throats, <laughs> and, and they all want to get out this year, yeah. you know, by June 30th, the yeah. end of the fiscal year. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm hearing, you know, next week we could start to see some budget bills move. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though. You know, last year the big objection was, and the problem was that they passed the spending bill without having the revenue to support yeah. it. And so this year, just, you know, for appearance sake, are they going to insist that they, you know, do both at the same time? Yeah, I, I was taping another show on another broadcast yeah. outlet yesterday, and Representative Seth Groth from your county oh, um, I spoke to him. Was, was there. And uh, he sketched out that same timeline, yeah. that a budget bill could start moving out of House Appropriations Committee next week. I mean, the one issue they don't have this year is there's, you know, decent revenue collections. Are there, right. So a revenue bill could move relatively speedily. From what I'm hearing, the, the problem, the hang-ups could actually be in the trailer bills this year in fiscal code and right. school code and tax code and that kind of stuff and whatever mischief they're going to get into in, in the into those six pieces of legislation. Right. So we basically we don't have to make up the billion and a half dollars that we did right. last it, year, be, so it's much easier. And will Governor Tom Wolf actually sign this one? <laughs> Remains to be seen. Yes. Um, it is an election year. <laughs> it, is. it is. an election year. I will note, though, I mean, we've talked a lot, especially last year, about these, you know, underlying fiscal problems in the state. And it's not like we've done too much to, like, actually fix them. Revenue's better this year, but I think it's it worth noting and reminding people, like last year we did a lot of borrowing, yep. a lot, a lot of borrowing, and that's going to start coming due in 2019, some of these things, some of these big payments, and they're already making really large pension payments, they're already making lots of big payments on other stuff, so, you know, adding another, like, compulsory chunk of money, I mean, it, next year there's going to be another chunk of money they have to find, probably, and this exactly. year they're not doing a whole lot to find, they're not doing anything, probably, to find right. new revenue. No. Right. So. It's, it's, it's the minimum of intellectual heavy lifting <laughs> they want to get out of town. Yeah. They so. want to get out of town. Yeah, but next year, hold, hold on to your hat, Nelly. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, all right. I think that about does it. Anything else you guys are looking at? I mean, the one other story that I did um, from a Senate committee meeting that it could work its way into the school code is the um, elimination of the Keystone graduation requirement, oh, yeah. which has really uh, been a controversial education issue. <laughs> and um, it, it, it was a requirement that 
the legislature is never allowed to take effect. So it, it could be killed before it ever comes to life. Right. Um, but that is it, the uh, that passed unanimously. Um, it, the, all the school groups are behind it. What it would basically do is instead of having to pass the keystones, kids would still have to take the keystone exams and as their for accountability pro, uh, measures. But also, um, there would be alternatives that if they if they don't pass a keystone exam, there would be alternative ways that they could prove that they're graduation ready. And the only uh, folks that have voiced some hesitation from the the folks that I've talked to so far has been the business community. Mm. The, the Chamber of Commerce said, look, we we, we um, asked for this graduation requirement because we want these diplomas to mean something. We don't, we don't with 500 school districts, you know, and, and any random number of roles for graduating, right. we needed, you know, something that could assure employers, yeah, these kids have a basic set of skills. Standardization. So, so anyway, um, follow Jan for your education needs. She'll cover that. <laughs> I, I would be remiss if I didn't add the Senate State Government Committee vote yes. this week uh, where they called the House on its bluff on reducing the size of the General Assembly. Uh, you know, back it was it back in April, the House sent over that yes. bill to reduce the the amend yes. for the second time to this is the second time yeah. second time to reduce the size of the House and then slapped in language at reducing the size of the Senate. Looked at the Senate and said, "Okay, Senate, deal with it." Uh, the State Government Committee stripped out that language, so we now have identical bills again. The Senate's supposed to vote on the bill this coming week and sending it back to the House, um, eventually, essentially double dog daring them to vote to reduce their own size. So are they are they going are they going to do that? Will they pass the amendment and send it on to the voters, or will they just be like? Let it die. No, it's, and this is another kidding. one of those July 6th things, Kate, yes, where they yep. got to get this yep. done. Yep. So that'll be a fun, it'll be really interesting if it goes oh, through, because I don't think anybody was really expecting it. But, but then uh, it has to go through another session. So it has, no, this is the second session. This is the second oh, session. Is the yeah, this is there. That's, that's why. Right. Last yeah. year they, yeah, last year they passed it, and they were like, eh, we'll kill it next year, maybe. Yeah. And maybe they have. <laughs> right. We'll see. We'll see. All right. On that note, guys, thank you so much. John Mysick, Jen Murphy, always a pleasure. You bet. Thank you. We'll be back next week.